We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So we can be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services Mark? we're back is this podcast still here more yeah i mean there's been rumors circulating about our show being canceled trying to elaborate on that so it was april 1st april the the first day of april also known as april fool's day and parth uh, felt like a little prankster on the instagram story and what happened next? It was April 1st. I posted two things on our story. It seems like very genuine. Like, that is more or less what we're actually going to post when the show ends. So, like, it's confusing. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I posted a thing. Wait, let me, let me, let me pull it up and read it. One of Parth's famous pauses. How about you just shut up for a second, though? Oh, yeah, yeah, That's my bad. <laughs> so, I've successfully pulled it up. So, okay. I wrote... We regret uh, on top of a black screen because I thought that that would be nice and serious. Very, very dramatic, yeah. We regret to inform everybody that Craft Services is coming to a close once we release our episode this week. Thank you to everyone that's listened and followed the show for the last almost two years. Almost in parentheses. And I followed it up with a photo of me and Trent at the beach saying... Shaking it's hands. It's been so, so, so... Yes. It's been so, so, so fun to run the show. Hopefully you'll follow us onto the next adventure. And a lot of people have been very, like, stressed and anxious and reached my out My parents to saying, called me. My sister called me. I had a professor in class say, so the pod's over? And I said, no, it was a prank. And he said, that's a really bad advertising scheme. I said, we didn't consider that. I just thought that people would know that it was April What 1st. the day was. Yeah. I mean, everybody was doing stuff on April 1st, you know? Team Deacons. Isn't Team Deacons off the air right now? It's It's defunct as of... Uh, Halloween last year, so really... So we've outlasted them. We have legitimately outlasted them, and pretty soon I think we will have produced more content than them. Damn, I'd fucking hate to be renowned cinematographer Roger Deakins Like, right being now. cinematographer Roger Deakins, uh, two-time Oscar winner Roger Deakins, like, right now I'd be pretty embarrassed He's to in the fucking him. hot seat. He's shaking in his boots. Yeah. Roger Deakins, if you're hearing this, contact us via email. Yeah, we'd love to talk. Parth at parth dot dot com yeah that's what it is what have you been eating well last night trent threw uh, a little sh- basement show at his house um and sophia and i went and parth came and had two beers and after parth drinks two beers he turns into perth which is his alter ego okay my parents listen to the show Parth. i mean trent we went to this basement show and then today we woke up and we had we uh sophia tried making poached eggs and Ooh, she, she did it successfully. They were pretty good. Poached. We had them on toast. And then for a little snack, I had some leftover uh, penne vodka. Except it wasn't penne. It was another pasta that I can't remember the name of. Nice. Um, I just came from the Mason Gross Accepted Students Day thing where me and friend of the show, Jackson Clark, gave some tours and answered some questions. And it was funny because we were so hungover and everyone, everyone, 
everyone there was treating us like we were really uh, sophisticated students who had our act together. Trent, when we had our accepted students day, do you think the students there were hungover? On the panel of students there for the Q&A, over half of them were super hungover. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. And yeah, it was. Um, But I had uh, provided lunch from there. That's nice. It was it was a sandwich surprisingly good for a free catered meal. Not bad, not bad. Yep, but uh, my stomach is an empty cave now, craving, craving what's next. But for now, the show Matrix Week Parth. Yeah, should we cue the intro? Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, Trent, who do we have? We had Joseph Jetsali, the editor of Matrix Resurrections, the fourth installment in the Matrix franchise by the Wachowskis, yeah. the directors. It's pretty yep. awesome. Uh, he was nice enough to talk to us a day after the movie was released in theaters. Uh, we yep. talked to him. But just... how did it get pushed so late? Because now the Matrix Resurrections feels kind of far away. Batman happened. The Oscars happened. We were in the middle of Star Wars. Otherwise, I would have just released this one. But we were in the middle of Star Wars. Then Scott Pilgrim had to get released. Then, by chance, Batman ended up happening. Then Last it Night in Solo happened. Yeah, so yeah. It, a lot of things but here we are. postponed this, but we are here now. And despite it all, I still haven't seen The Matrix Resurrections all the way through, but I'm excited to view it for the discussion. Yeah, uh, we, maybe we'll watch more of The Matrix movies. Is it on HBO try. Max? It, it is sure it is. Is it on HBO Max? Is all the Matrix films on HBO Max? They are, but I also own them, so we can watch them to get there. You know? um, on Blu-ray? On your big old TV? Mm-hmm. Parth, can we cuddle up in Megabed? Yeah. Parth has two beds in his room pushed together, yeah. and it creates one, quote, mega bed, and it's a monstrosity. How many people have slept in there at once? At once Five the, or six? At once that have actually slept over, I think the most is four. But people that have been on the bed, comfortably seven. Seven or eight. Yeah, comfortably. Been, comfortably well, maybe, maybe seven. Not, maybe not that comfortably. Friend of the show, friend of the show like Sophia that. Alexis is behind me right now. So we're gonna have to. Ask and what's her. her prediction with what's her prediction with how many people can comfortably fit Sophia, in Megabed? How, how many people could comfortably fit in Megabed? Sleeping or relaxing? Relaxing. How comfortable? How comfortable, Trent? Semi, semi, semi comfortable. Not falling asleep, but lounging. Not falling asleep, but lounging. Like six. Six. I think seven. I think seven or eight. I really. Well, seven's we been do done. Seven but has maybe been done. we were a little bit but uncomfortable. If, if Sophia, get closer. Get closer. The mic has to pick you up. So it depends if we're watching something. Because if we are, we all have to be facing the TV. But I think you could fit way more people if we were, like, sardined, like, one way and the other. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I logistically, like, putting you in, like, single file, like, in a spooning format would probably be most logistical. But you have to arrange in sort of, like, a cross. I think once we did have six people spooning in my bed. Who's to say? Megabed. It, it, it breeds invention. Anyways. The interview. Yeah, the interview. Let's do it. Was it a good one? 
This is a pretty awesome one. Uh, Joseph Jetsali has a lot of cool things to talk about. He talks about how he got involved with the Matrix Resurrections. He talks about working with George Lucas for like nine years. How he oh got made he has an action, an action figure. figure. Uh, yeah, he's in Star Wars Episode Two. Yeah, very he's, briefly. He he was a very awesome guy to talk to, and we're gonna cut into that interview right now. Right now, you the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Jet Sally. He's an editor that's worked on such films as the Star Wars prequel trilogy, Speed Racer, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. He also edited our film for today, The Matrix Resurrections. Thank you again for being with us today. You're very welcome. So just to start off, what would you say your relationship with film was at a young age? Uh, You know, it's sort of personal and not. Um, I didn't work on the original three, so I was one of... You know, a few people who were going back to the Matrix having not been there before. But um, I just appreciated how smart it was by not taking itself too seriously and yet taking itself very seriously at the same time. So you've worked with the Wachowskis on Speed Racer, Sense8, and now The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, can you explain how you got introduced to them and how you got involved um, working on the franchise? Yeah, um... So I met them on Speed Racer. Roger Barton's editor I worked with several times, and he was brought on to cut with Zach Steinberg. So I was a first assistant on Speed. Toward the end of Speed, they were discussing producing a film for James McTeague, who was their second unit director. And James was directing Ninja Assassin. So uh, Lana and Lily gave me and Gian Ganziano, the opportunity to cut Ninja Assassin. He was a visual effects editor on Speed, and like I said, I was the first. They were very kind about stuff like that, giving people opportunities. So I cut Ninja for them, and then I went back and worked with them on a pitch reel for a film that has yet to be made, but it's a really good film. Um, and they just we just kept in touch with each other. So when Sense8 came around... I went to Chicago to do some tests. They shot some tests for it. One thing led to another. I cut the series, and then that rolled into Matrix. When did you know you were going to be the editor of the film? Because it's kind of like a very hotly anticipated movie for like 17 years or something. So that must have been, what was it like getting the job? (laughs) Well, it's funny because it's like a lot of people, I never expected it to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers has been after them for years and years to reboot it or, you know, just go back to the Matrix. And I was around them when they were, you know, getting calls from Warner Brothers. And then uh, you may have read in the press, you know, um, their parents passed away, which, of course, is very sad. And Lana um, figured out a way to, you know, she couldn't bring her parents back to life, but she figured out a clever way to bring these characters who meant so much to her back to life. So um, Keith, my husband, and I were in San Francisco visiting friends, Lana and Karen included. And after brunch, Lana said she had a surprise for us. So she um, read the first, probably third of the script to us 
in the shape wow. it was in at that time. And that was a year before we ever rolled camera. It still wasn't a done deal, but it was something she was thinking about. And man, I was shocked, blown away. It was strange, so smart and clever. And I just wanted more. And, you know, she wanted to see if I, you know, could be available for it, which of course um, I wanted to do. You know. It's the matrix. Yeah. Uh, and as it worked out, you know, things kind of work out. I was in a series with James Messiah. And then um, if I had gotten a long-term show, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But then uh, I was able to cut the first season of Work in Progress with Lily. And I literally, I finished that. And Matrix started a month or two after that. It was, it was all perfect timing. And so what was like the day to day like while um, while in the editing room and how long was the entire process until you were picture locked, say? Yeah, um, well, I'll start backwards. The entire process was probably a year and seven or eight months, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to San Francisco for the table read and at the end of January of 2020, so almost two years ago. Then production stayed in San Francisco because they started shooting there. I went straight to Berlin. We we worked in Berlin. So uh, I was on my own while they were shooting in San Francisco, which is always nice. Lana just, you know, wants you to try stuff, just cut, just, you know, do what feels right for you. they finished shooting and the crew flew to Berlin. But then, you know, I think this was around March, COVID, where the whole mm-hmm. sort of shutdown process had started rippling across the globe. Um, and Warner Brothers, you know, we had to shut down. Uh, I was going to try to stay because I could have worked with Lana. Um, but there are lots of legal issues. Warner Brothers just shut, literally shut everything down. So I think I got the second to last flight out of Germany. Back Jesus. Um, which was strange because I think I was one of about 10 people on this plane that sat probably four or 500 people. So anyway, I relaxed at home like everybody did and went back to Germany at the end of May. So about a two-month break. So then I got to work with Lana on... Uh, the stuff that I already assembled and get ready for production to start again. And then on the day-to-day, I'm kind of left alone. There are situations where, you know, she wants to see what performances are like, what the lighting is like, because she's, you know, extremely interested and um, in, in natural lighting and how it how it looks, how the frame looks. There are times when she would come to the cutting room just to sort of look at things and work on things. Um, most, For the most part, I'm, I'm kind of left alone. And then um, she spent a good amount of time with me working on a rap reel for our crew because they're very important. They're, they're like works of art, our rap reels. And it's a nice way to say thank you to the crew who, especially on a film like this, work extremely hard. Not just production, but my crew worked extremely hard and i had an entire german crew on this i didn't take anybody from the states yeah kind of getting into the movie a little bit were you said that you were privy to a little bit of the script before it even was close to being into production when you were actually working with it 
was there a large transformation process or would you say that it was relatively what was in the script was is how it ended up being in the movie you know things always change and i haven't read the script in a long time (laughs) Um, of course i read it as i go but um it's pretty close we didn't cut out a lot of scenes Mm -hmm. um some scenes were turned into montage um Mm -hmm. but the structure is there and her david and sasha alexander um they worked a lot on the script and kept editing themselves. So the script was pretty tight. It was, you know, it was long, um, but it was pretty tight. Can you explain how you edit sequences where characters are moving at different shutter speeds from one another? Yes. Have you guys seen the film yet? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, yeah. I, I watched it this morning. Okay. So, so, you know, we're talking about Tiffany's workshop. Um, that was you know, interesting to say the least. But it gave me full reign. I mean, I knew that once um, the analyst, you know, triggers deja vu to go back into a form of bullet time, you know, using that against Neo, um, there are lots of things happening. So the analyst was, was running at eight frames per second at 24 to give him that sort of stuttered look, but so he was insane. Neo, of course, and Trinity were shot at 120, and we tried to keep them, you know, that slow. The backgrounds were tricky because if you played just one or the other, it had a very specific look. You know, especially we're talking about the sparks, just you know. Um, so we we uh, I had to morph both eight frames per second with 120, and then. The visual effects team had to do more work because, you know, those those really pretty elongated sparks worked really well, but you wanted those discrete eight frames per second, like pops. Right. Um, and then, of course, bullet time. Once, um, forgive me, I forgot the character's name, but when he fires the gun, um, and you see that classic sort of bullet time and the, the rings around the bullet, that's obviously running at super slow speed. So when working on something like this, which is obviously very, like, visual effects, there's a large component of that. Is that difficult for you to have to coordinate that, or does it just, it's all the same? Uh, For me, it's a little bit of the same. I mean, my frames, you know, on the timeline look crazy because I've got, you know, how many video tracks because of all the elements that are running at different speeds. Plus, you know, in a sequence like that, the analyst is, you know, one element. Neo is another element. Trinity is another element. So they're all, you know, comped and pieced together. But my VFX editor, Tino, is very good about, you know, he can break it down and hand it off to visual effects and they marry it. But, you know, my temps look pretty good. I'm all about telling the story. So as long as, you know, you can see it and you understand it, um, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. It, it's it is complicated and it's time consuming to get those things right. We were curious about the conversations you may have had with the director about incorporating uh, clips from the original trilogy into this film. Yes, those are tricky because you know, of course, we started with quite a few. The script um, had a nod to them sometimes, but. We also use them in places where they weren't scripted. Uh, 
you know, we wanted to remind the fans and, you know, there's a lot of those are emotional cues, nostalgia. Um, you know, when we meet the new Morpheus in the restroom, that's a very funny sequence. You know? Um, but it's fun to see Morpheus there. It's fun to see him on the rooftop with Neo when he, you know, jumps. Those are very iconic moments in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, we needed to sort of educate new viewers um, by showing them pieces of the original. But then, you know, we're also aware of over the entire film, not overdoing it because you don't right. want to get stuck, you know, tons of flashbacks. So I think we pared it down carefully. You know, some of my favorite, one of my favorite moments too is in the Morpheus's shrine when Neo says, I'm sorry, you know, when he meets him and they hug. It's, I, I love that one too. That got yeah, me emotional. Really good use of that. And, and also when, you know, Neo's on the rooftop, you know, con- contemplating jumping, um, remembering Trinity. And, and we also used flashbacks within the current movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was, Anyway, it was a balance, but I think we got it right. Are there any scenes in this movie that you you would say were like difficult to crack and and conversely, were there any scenes that now looking back on it you're like damn, I'm I'm proud of that work that went into that. And maybe they're the same or similar scenes, but if you could just speak on that. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked about this one a lot, the treadmill of life, that montage sequence mm. where all the gamers are talking. Um that I mean, it was very long the way it was scripted and there are lots of little vignette scenes actually. So my first cut was quite long. Um, I want to say it was probably eight minutes or something. Um, But then, you know, very early on, you know, we knew right away it just couldn't play like that, but you kind of want to see it like that. So you, 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 it makes it easier to start paring things down. So, then we, you know, kind of turned it into two montages, you know, the office, that sort of brainstorming, and then a beat with, you know, about Trinity, um, which is where we use the White Rabbit song. And then we tried, you know, with just score, and we decided to make it one continuous montage, and we went back to White Rabbit. Um, the tweaked version that we that we used that was tough. We went back. I mean, literally, we joked about it because that was our treadmill. We went back to it almost every day. Yeah, it was so easy to tweak. You know, if it was too front loaded with the brainstorming and there wasn't enough of Trinity, but you didn't want too much of Trinity. So yeah, again, it was a delicate balance to. Um, have the brainstorm, have him feel trapped, have him yearning for Trinity and end at a place where it made sense that he sees her the next day or two or whatever at the coffee shop and they have that great conversation about, you know, what are we programmed to believe in and blah, blah, blah. I've asked some of the other editors that we've interviewed this and it's like after working with like the same material for like almost two years, do you find yourself like finding new beauty in the frames that you've seen like 10,000 times or at a certain point do you just become like too familiar and you're just like, like, you know, well, I know that's the life of an editor. 
No, I mean, like, especially in that, I have to say every time it was like, yes, it's better. I love that. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the way it should be because you want to keep moving towards that sweet spot. You always want to keep moving towards the sweet spot. The, you know, the danger is, you know, when you give up, when you just say, that's it. That's as good as it's going to get. And I, you know, I can't. Um, we never felt that way because, and I try to never feel that way because in any product project, you, you know, the editor's there to serve the film. You want the audience to see the best version of what they can. Uh, and, you know, there are times when you're, you know, you're hearing from, you know, the director's the most important person to me and the script. But then you're also hearing from, you know, produ- other producers or preview audiences. And, and I have to say, sometimes, you know, there are really great suggestions from all of that. But you need to you need to find the, the the right answers to those sort of suggestions. Mm-hmm. So, sort of closing out, I guess, like our specifically Matrix Resur- Resurrection questions. Uh, I just wanted to ask what Lana Wachowski is like to work with, and what, like, you know, I don't know what conversation. I don't know what she like because she seems kind of awesome. She is awesome. But I have to say she's terrible so that nobody else wants to work with her. Okay. Yeah, good plan. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's a dream. You know, she is the kind of director that I think any editor would want to work with. She pushes for anything new, just trying trying anything, you know, never saying no. Um, and that there's so much freedom in that. Seriously, that's like, that's what you want from a director. You know, the script is always something that you you work from, but there's discovery in the performances that the actors give you, that the cinematographer gives you. There's just discovery in everything, and you have to be open, and she is open to everything. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, I love her. And as you probably know, she's brilliant. She's a very, very smart filmmaker. So you mentioned uh, Speed Racer earlier, and that is a very interesting film from an editing perspective, and it seems like it would either be a dream or a nightmare, and we were wondering which one it was. Uh, It was a dream, and, you know, I'm sure Roger and Zach would both say the same. For And for me it was. You know, being the first assistant, that film at that time I think it was the most film I ever saw come through a cutting room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen just as much since probably, but I mean, you know, when he's being walked through the shop, there are so many things happening in the backgrounds. We used to, we had a second unit shooting simultaneously to the first unit. So our cutting room was just getting overwhelmed with footage. There was just so much. And, that sort of anime feel about it. I mean, every image was eye candy, you know, it's just amazing. Um, so it was really fun. And I think, you know, especially in Roger's case, he had so much fun with that. Um, playing with multiple layers of images in the frame and, um, yeah. Uh, you, you worked on the matrix, but another, 
uh, franchise you've uh, been attached with is Star Wars. And we wanted to ask what that was like. And also, you actually appear in a Star Wars movie and have an action figure made of you. So, like, right. what was what was that like? <laughs> um, well, I loved it. I loved working with George. Um, what can I say? I, I, I it wasn't. Uh, 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 if somebody told me that you know when I, I would have been working on a, a Star Wars trilogy or that I'd be working with Wachowskis, I would say <laughs> you guys are crazy. And just a little backstory on Star Wars, it happened in a strange way because they let go of their avid assistant on the first mm-hmm. show about, you know, maybe eight months in or something. Um, so they needed to find someone else. I had worked with um, one of the girls that was in post on Flubber. Um, with Robin Williams. So anyway, oh. I, I was visiting friends in San Francisco and she said, Jet, why don't you come over and you know meet everybody? We're trying to replace our avid person, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I had only done a pilot on the avid and I didn't even really know how to use the avid. So I went up to meet them and uh, they were all very nice, but I left there thinking, there's no way I'm not qualified. So... I was also I had also worked on a pilot Felicity with JJ Abrams and oh Matt shit Reed. yeah yeah um, and it was going to series so at the same time I was getting calls to go do that and so I called um, these guys on Star Wars and said you guys I can't I'm taking my name out of it because I, I'm not qualified and uh, they were like no, you can't everybody signed off on you you have to do oh, this oh my god whoa. They were fighting for you, J.J. Abrams and George Lucas. It was was very strange. So, of course, I did Star Wars. And what I did was I I just, for myself, for two or three months, I stayed late. And I read the Avid Manual cover to cover. Wow. And worked on it. So I, I knew it probably better than anybody should. And I didn't even really know how to, I mean, just operating an app, it was cumbersome on that show. Anyway, that worked out. I got along with George tremendously. When we did the second one, we do a lot of previs, and we'll go out and just shoot stuff on video and slug it into the film, which is how um, I did that little bit as Seth Jet Jostle. When it came time to do the final, George um wanted me to do it i'm very camera shy i you know but i i now i'm glad i did it at the time i was reluctant um and then uh the action figure they needed a female so at the time it was me and two others and they picked the female the toilet to do as an action figure at the time and george assured me he said don't worry jet i promise you at some point you know and he lived up to his promise they made an action figure out. That's awesome. Um, and then I went, you know, I, I actually, in between two and three, they wanted to keep me busy so I could come back. I did the recut with George on his director's version of THX 1138. Whoa. Uh, I spent the year working with him on that. And that was also a dream job because it was just the two of us, really. And then um, one of my best friends, Cheryl, came back to help at the end. Anyway. It was that was also great. Um, so were you working on Skywalker Ranch? 
Yes, and I was actually working in the main house, which you know nobody works in the main house, but we were in the main house uh, in the basement, so George could just you know go from his office downstairs upstairs. So this may sound silly, but like, have you been to like the Star Wars archives? Aren't those there? There's a massive warehouse, yeah, and I have been in there, um, but it looks like it just looks like a massive warehouse with rows and rows of Indiana Jones. Yeah, I was just going to say the Indiana Jones. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's on the property anymore. I I don't know to tell you the truth. but It's a beautiful... If you guys have never been and ever get an opportunity to go there, it is a stunning property. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. I think Trent and I would lose our minds (laughs) if we had the opportunity. Yeah, I was there for about eight years. It was home for me for quite a while that's awesome so i guess our last question that we like to ask all of our guests is uh the big kahuna as trent and i like to refer to it it's the final Uh, question it's um what's the last great movie that you watched not good great yeah i i may have to think about that and and send you a note because (laughs) Uh, do you have like a TV show you've been watching? Um, yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I won't say great because that's a tough thing to fill. But I, I, I really enjoy Sex Education. I thought that was that's a very clever, very smart. Um, you know, selfishly work in progress because I worked on the first season. I was sad that I couldn't work on the second season because I was busy on Matrix, but. Um, Shows that are kind of different, I'll say that's those are good. You know, I yeah. Um, you you're not the first person to have this dilemma. The great irony is that we interview people who are too busy with working on films to watch films. You know, yeah. So like a great film for me means it has to be great all the way around. And I've seen some that tick some boxes, but I you know so I'd have to think about it. Plus, it was a strange year, two years. You know. Um, I like to see films in the theater. I don't like to watch films on the small screen if I can help it. Uh, but I'll I'm S- send sure us I, an email if you, uh, yeah, if you think of something. Yeah, I'll send you an email because I'm sure there's there's something out there. It's just like you know, off the yeah, top we, of we have to record intros and outros for this episode anyway. So okay, part you want to bring us out. Yeah, no, uh, thank you so much to Jet Sally. Uh, this is a great time. He worked on Star Wars prequel trilogy, Speed Racer, and also edited our film for today, The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. You're very welcome. Thank you. And Resurrections is now on HBO Max and in theaters. Is that right? Does that sound about right? I think so. Yeah, but go watch it in theaters. Yeah. Go watch it in theaters. Yes. Trent. Parth. That was an interview. It sure was. I liked it. Do you think the viewers stayed until this point in the show? One would hope so. I thought that was awesome. I have some information for the fans at home. While Joseph Jet Sally was not able to think of the last great movie he watched, he did end up emailing me saying that the latest thing that he watched that he really liked was Promising Young Woman. Oh, nice. A, sh- a, a movie that we've covered we on the covered show. covered on the show, yeah. Did you respond in any profound way? I just said, nice. 
I mean, I guess there was more in the email, but that was the general gist. He owed us. He owed us after not remembering. Yeah. On air. He really did. But it's nice that he followed up. He did. It was very nice of him. But yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, next week, what are we doing, Trent? Like, I think, like, is what next week is yet to be recorded? Well, next week is still about Matrix Resurrections. Oh, next week is the Matrix Resurrections discussion, but the week after that is something we haven't recorded yet. We haven't recorded, so I'm not going to mention it on air, because anytime I get overconfident about You don't want to jinx it. I always jinx, jinx it. it. So, but let's just say this movie is going to be everywhere. Yeah. And it's a little bit of everything. And like from what I've been hearing, a lot of people wish they could just see this movie all at once. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm Me excited neither. to. We're seeing it tomorrow, right Trent? Oh, oh, we'll see right, about right, that. No, part. no, no. Wait, guys. Hold Trent accountable. We're seeing it tomorrow. Well, I guess by the time this goes up, it will have been tomorrow. The decisions but... will have been made. Yeah. Uh, the history books will reflect whether or not I went to the movies with Parth and Sophia. Well, Parth, uh, I think the listeners should like and rate us. Wait, like isn't a thing. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yeah. And then follow us on Instagram, Craft Services Podcast. Oh, we've expanded, by the way. We're no longer just on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I've gotten us onto Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Cool. Didn't know that was a thing, but if you use those um, weird-ass streaming services, we're glad to include you. My aunt from India doesn't have an iPhone and for some reason doesn't have a Spotify account. And so... They were this asking is her me. Workaround? They were asking me, "Hey, can this be on Amazon Music? Because I would listen to it if it was on Amazon." And I was like, "Sure." Now it's on Amazon. Well, I love Amazon. Just kidding. No, Jeff Bezos is kind of my guy. You know, support small business. I do support small businesses. Um, um all right, this is the episode. Join us next that's week all. for a discussion where Trent and Will I we have a will... guest? Will we have a guest? I don't think so. I think this needs to be Trent versus Parth because I just know this will be absolutely Trent versus Parth. You know what I mean? Yeah, tre- no, no, I agree. Trent versus Parth. Or Parth versus Trent. Yeah, we uh, know I go win? first. Well, I guess it's alphabetical. Who will win? Uh, the white man versus the person of color. I think we know how oh. this goes. Oh! Okay, well, with that being said, goodbye. Bye, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.